This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Ruger, Rugged, Reliable Firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callingest Calls Made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Taurus maker of the Raging Hunter and other fine handguns. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Thank you, David Fox. We're off to an absolutely fantastic year. It's kind of the, toward the tail end of January, DSC Convention and Hunting Expo. The 40th one was an absolute huge success. I know a lot of y'all were there, and, and those of you that weren't there this year, you better be planning on coming there next year, because uh, I think we're even going to be better next year if that's at all possible in any, any and every way. DSC is going to try to make it that way. But again, as I've told you so many times, don't just plan on spending the day. You really need to come in for two or three, and there are hotels available right around the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center, and there are shuttles that run back and forth to the convention center back to the hotel. So even if it's raining or snowing or sleeting or it's 100 degrees, which, you know, sometimes we can't ever tell what the weather is going to be, but generally in the past it's been kind of an interesting weather situation whenever we've had the DSC convention. Remember when it was snowing, icing, raining, and it was in the 80s a time or two as well, too. But inside, the temperature is absolutely perfect, as are the people that are there and everything that you're going to see. So January next year, 2023, look forward to seeing you there, the good Lord willing. 
I was so excited to be there at the convention this year. Got to see so many different friends, and just want to touch on that a little bit more. Spent some time up on the conservation stage with Phil Massaro. Now, Phil is a uh, a Yankee. <laughs> I tease him about it all the time, but he's from New York, and he's one of the truly great writers and editors that we have these days. He's he's the editor, among other things, of Hunting Digest and the Hunting. I'm uh, sorry, the Gun Digest, and also the Gun. Digest Annual, and I'm about to complete an article for him that got some time today to be able to spend on my my own little place, and I want to come back to that, but had some great people there on the stage. Rob Keck, who for years has been with the Wild Turkey Federation, and more recently with uh, Bass Pro and Cabela's and gosh almighty, I mean, I remember going back many years ago and listening to uh, Rob do all hoots anytime anybody came in the room and we were in a restaurant following maybe a convention or just as a get-together kind of thing. So great to spend time with, with those guys particularly. Craig Boddington was there as well, too. And always a good time to spend time with Craig. And Unfortunately, Jim Shockey couldn't be with us this year. And Miss Eva is not doing very well, unfortunately, and, and so does he and... His family, Jim and his family, decided to stay closer to home. And Ron Spomer, who joined us every once in a while, Ron uh, decided that this year he'd rather spend some time on his place up in the, in the western part of the world. And, and uh, can't say as I blame him. I've seen some photographs from his place. And if I live there, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't be doing but very little traveling. I'd probably come to the DSC convention just simply because I absolutely love it. It's the one event of a show type that I look forward to every year. But had a great time there on the conservation stage, both Friday and Saturday. And of course, Billy Kinder is our MC, and there's nobody better at what he does than Billy. And I'm so fortunate to consider him a, a, a very dear friend. Every year during the opening of whitetail season, first morning of the Texas whitetail season, before daylight, he and I kind of exchange calls and texts and kind of catch up a little bit and wish each other some good luck. and. Just, you know, it's, it's a friendship that, that's gone on for years, and I, good Lord willing, it'll go on for a few more years as well, too. But if you missed it, please come back, or please come next year, and if you were there, please come back. I mentioned uh, a little while ago doing an article for Phil Massaro with uh, Gun Digest, and it's about single-shot handguns. Now, some of you know that years ago I did lots of hunting with single-shot handguns. I also love the revolvers, such as the, the Taurus guns or Agent Hunters that I'm shooting right now. And, and over the years, I shot a lot of uh, the Ruger Blackhawk-type guns at single action and the Red Hawks as well, too. And... But I really, these days, prefer, when it comes to revolvers, the Taurus. But I'll have to admit, when Phil first asked me about doing one of, one of the articles about single shots when it comes to handgunning, I kind of jumped at it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I getting into? It has been absolute years since I've had the opportunity to really hunt with the, the TC contenders and encores and, and uh and I got to think about, you know, it kind of might be fun going back and shooting some of those. So finally got back from DSC and got over a little bit of a, a crud that seems to be floating around throughout the world, I guess. Some people may call it a version of, of uh, Corona, but uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. It just, it, I'm back to where I want to be, starting to feel better again. And Today, as I mentioned, I'm out on my place here in, in the northern part of Colorado County in Texas, and 
had the opportunity to go to my little range and drag out my old 30-06 TC Encore. I introduced that thing, I think, in April of 1996. Had hunted with it in the fall of 95, and, and in April of 1996, we had the cover of Shooting Times and the lead story in Shooting Times about that particular gun. And that first one was in a 308, uh, interesting looking gun compared to the old Contender. The Contenders initially were designed for for cartridges with relatively low pressure. Well, they, the engineers, guys like Mark Laney and, and uh, Ken French and oh my gosh, four or five other guys there at TC decided that maybe if they beefed up something similar to a contender frame, they could make it into a, a gun that would accept and would work with some of the higher pressure rounds such as a 308, 30 out 6. 270, 243, 22, and a, and a gamut of others as well too. And I got a call going back to that one time back in oh about August of uh, 1995 from Mr. Ken French, who unfortunately has passed on. Ken told me, said Larry, said we finally got that moose hunt set up for you. He said I want you to come up. And he said, oh by the way, don't bring a gun. He said we got something new we want you to play with. And, my first thoughts were, well, I'd been doing a lot of things with them recently on, on muzzleloaders, so it's probably just another muzzleloader. About that time, I got a call from Ken, uh, from Jay Wayne Feard, and he said, hey, he said, did you get a call from Ken French? He said, guess what? He said, I'm going to be your partner up there. He said, I've got a tag on Moose, too. And I said, well, what'd you hear from him? He said, well, he told me the same thing. I think he told you, don't bring, don't bring any kind of gun. We've got something for you. So... Totally not knowing for sure what exactly was waiting for us. Wayne and I arrived up in, in Maine, and, and Ken picked us up, and we went out to his little camp there. I can't remember the name of the lake, but it's up in that Todd and Ironworks area close to Millinocken, and and uh, he handed us a, a, a two packages. Well, Jay Wayne's was a little bit longer, about you know three or four feet long. Mine was probably about maybe quite not two feet long. And, he said, okay, guys, he said, you can unwrap now. So both of us started unwrapping. We unwrapped at the same time. And guess what? <laughs> Mine was a handgun, and, and Wayne's was a rifle using the exact same action, somewhat similar to the contender action, but we both noticed that it was considerably beefed up in terms of, of looking stronger and heavier and all those other kind of things. And we both looked at the, the marking on the barrel, and both of them said 308. Winchester, and we go, whoa, wait a minute, this is not your same old contender or contender carbine that we've had in the past. And so Ken started telling us a little bit about the gun and uh, what he thought, you know, we ought to consider doing with it, which meant, like, well, let's go out to the range and shoot it because we really haven't had a chance to sight these guns in yet. They had a pile of 308 ammo from Hornady and we went to the to the range and there was a mine had a, a like a one and a quarter or one and a half I guess to five TC long eye relief scope and uh, Jay Wayne's had a, had a variable TC rifle scope on it. We shot it each once and first shots, not surprisingly, because I knew that Mark Laney and, and and Ernie French and Ken French had probably already sighted it in just a little bit maybe you know and. And uh, so both of it went right center of the bullseye at 100 yards. We each 
put two more rounds through it. And I, by the time I got finished with that pistol sheet, I had a ragged hole. There was probably about a 45 uh, caliber hole as opposed to a 308 caliber hole. Looked over at, at Wayne's target, and you know it was about exactly the same. Maybe no, I'd, I'd say exactly the same. So. Anyway, long story short, went out the next couple of days when the season opened, and I shot my first moose, a big old, about a 50-inch wide moose with a, with a double drop tines, and which would still to me one of my the highlights of my hunting career. And and uh, Wayne shot a really nice moose as well, and took the rifle home with him, and uh, Wayne did, and I took the pistol home with me, and. About three weeks later, Jim Zumbo and I had both drawn Shire's moose tags in Colorado in adjoining units. So I went up and Jim and I camped together along with Miss Madonna, his wife, Grace's wife, and we ate good. We told stories around the hunting campfire and hunted our butts off. And finally, on the last day of the, of the season, uh, we're driving along looking at one more area that we wanted to go to. And lo and behold, a, a moose ran across the road and it looked like a relatively young but illegal bull. And this was a once in a lifetime tag. So we followed that bull and I was able to come up onto him within about 75 yards and, and put a couple of bullets into him. And he turned and to the other side and exposed his other side and I put two more bullets in and, and he went down and my gracious I was just absolutely thrilled with this handgun well moved a little bit farther to another about two or three weeks and I was hunting elk in eastern Colorado just above the Johnson Mesa area kind of oh oh kind of northeast of I'm sorry yeah, northwest of Clayton and northeast of uh, Raton and last day of some really really hard hunting and walking and crawling i was able to get within about 75 to 100 yards of a really nice six by six bull and in a huge valley with about 30 other bulls that were chasing cows like you can't believe just what a fabulous sight bulls beagling everywhere all the bulls on the bigger end looked about the same size and then i chose the one that was closest to me and put him down with one shot so uh I have to tell you that at that time, I had finally found out what the name of the gun was going to be. And when we first started shooting, we had no idea what the gun was going to be until a few days or several days later and found out they were going to call it the Encore. So that was kind of the birth of the Encore. And I wrote about all this in uh, shooting times and, and talked about the gun itself and the accuracy with the Hornady ammo that I was shooting, which was just phenomenal, uh, as accurate as any rifle as I've ever shot. And, Got about that same time when I was writing the article and finishing the photography, I got a call from Ken France and he said, Larry, he said, you've got to send that contender back. I said, Ken, no, man, look, I've already shot two moose and elk with it. It shoots like a dream. I want to keep it. And he goes, well, he said, I'm sorry. We can't let you do that. He said, we still haven't gotten all the specs off the gun and we really can't get into manufacturing until, uh, till, uh, <laughs> you get that gun back to us. So reluctantly, I packaged it up and sent it back with the understanding that I was going to get one of the first production guns that came off the line. And sure enough, they very kindly sent me one and, and uh, it sent it to me with a 30 6 barrel. And oh my gosh, with that particular gun using Hornet DMO and a variety of the bullet styles, it's a, it's a very forgiving gun to where it shot extremely accurately no matter what Hornet bullet I put through it or load that I put through it. And 
with it over the years I shot a lot of things well for after a while then finally and I, I, I left TC and I went to work with uh, with with Ruger for about 10 or 12 years and those kind of went in the background of my uh, back of my my gun safes if you will and so when going back to when Phil Massaro asked me he said would you consider doing this article about single shots you know it brought back a lot of memories and so today finally I had the opportunity to uh, to come on out here and to uh, to uh, to to shoot my guns again from Thompson Center that I hadn't had the opportunity to in a long time and load each one of them up that I shot I shot my 30-06 which to me was one of those guns that years ago I could point it kind of in the gentle direction of an animal close my eyes pull the trigger and one shot would put that critter down in an absolute hurry just tremendous confidence tremendous accuracy and lo and behold I had not shot that thing now in about 12-13 years and Dragged it out, set it up on a on a pretty good set of sandbags, loaded it with uh, with the uh, Precision Hunter from Hornady, and put three shots through the barrel. And when I walked to the target at 100 yards, it was a grouping of less than an inch, and only about an about an inch and a half low compared to dead center kind of thing. I also shot a 308 toward the tail end of my time with Thompson Center. I, uh, they graciously did a Larry Wysoon signature model in 308, and so I had not shot that gun since I'd done that probably about 12 years ago, but last time I shot it as well, too, and loaded it up with uh, some Precision Hunter from Hornady and, and uh, fired three shots. Two of them were in the same hole, and one of them was about a quarter of an inch to the left, of, or half an inch, I guess, to the, to the left of the other one, and so the other two. So it tells me those guns are still very, very, very accurate. I'll have to admit, I'd forgotten quite the push that that 30-06 did when I shot it uh, here today. A little bit more recoil than I remember, but still very, very manageable. That 30-06 in that 15-inch barrel is, is almost exactly the same in terms of ballistics and downrange uh, ballistics and energy as well, too, as, as a 308. So had a chance to bring out some other old guns I, I got a contender many 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 years ago uh, they were introduced in 1967 and in, in the early 70s I procured one in, in a 30-30 barrel and, and then also in a, a 45 long coat 410 because you can shoot shot shells through it and actually you could even shoot uh, with the right barrels you could shoot uh, rimfire as well through the uh, original contenders so brought back lots and lots of memories as I shot some of those guns, photographed those guns, and, and now getting ready to put them back in the gun case. And But who knows, you know, I may pull those out again here for too very long. I have to admit, every time I get ready to go hunting, I, I always grab that Taurus or Agent Hunter. And, and uh, the interesting to this hunting season was that I carried it in a 44 mag with 240 grain XTP Hornady ammo a lot of different places now with the Trigicon SRO side on it I feel very comfortable out to about a hundred yards with that particular combination from a good rest that is and what whitetail hunting I did this year uh, it was tough I finally shot a doe at fairly close range but everything else that I saw if there was an opportunity at, at a mature animal 
Uh, it was well beyond 100 yards, two to 300 yards, and just no way, unfortunately, to get closer. And so my hunting and taking animals this year with the Taurus Ragent Hunter this past year was really kind of minimal, except for a doe that I was able to take. And uh, But I'm going to try to make up for that here in the next several weeks. You know, we've got a lot of hogs, and I've got some hog hunting opportunities coming up with Luke Clayton and Jeff Rice, of course, with those guys, I, I do a uh, weekly TV show called a Sportsman's Life, A Sportsman's Life on Carbon TV, carbontv.com. You can sign up free, and you can watch those episodes every week, if you will. And of course, there's some other great, great, great programming there as well, too. Lots of plans for the future and in the immediate plans as far as hunting hogs and also Gary Robertson with Burnham Brothers and I are going to go Burnham Brothers Game Calls that is. We're headed out to New Mexico here in the next oh, few weeks to uh, do some predator call. And, uh, we had sold a hunt as, a, as an auction item at the DSC chapter in Lubbock, the Lubbock Sportsman's Club and a gentleman bought it and so we're going to take him out and we're pretty much going to be, he and I are and his son Steve, Steve being Steve Robertson, Robertson rather, and uh, we're going to uh, be doing more filming than we're doing anything else and let the, the guy who bought the hunt do most of the shooting or do all the shooting as far as I'm concerned. So got that coming up, but uh, doing some hunts with, with Luke and, and uh, Jeff Rice, as I mentioned, I'm real anxious to do those. And then I'm getting started in a new venture as well, too. Uh, for years, I worked as a wildlife biologist. I actually started out that way. and. My degrees in wildlife management at Texas A&M, and over the years I've set up management programs as a biologist for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and also for a uh, company that I started, just primarily me more than anybody else, and, and uh, years ago in terms of consulting work to where I set up management programs on several million acres scattered across North America with emphasis on game animals, but of course also most emphasis on the habitat. and. My deal was if we can improve the habitat, the quality of the, the big game animals is going to improve, and so is the vegetation. And when that happens, also all the non-game species benefit as well, too. And so we created lots of, lots of habitat, if you will, for uh, butterflies and skinks and little rodents and, and birds of prey and songbirds, along with a few game birds as well, too, and a little bit of waterfowl. But the new venture is, is, is I had an opportunity to hunt this past year with a young man named Brandon Houston. Now, Brandon is a graduate of, of Texas Tech University in, in wildlife, and not going to hold that Texas Tech against him since I'm a Texas Aggie, but, uh, you know, sometimes you, get, you, you, you find particular friendship and particular opportunities in, in different places, and got to hunt with Brandon on some of the property he has up out west of Dallas-Fort Worth area and, and shot a really nice 10-point buck there, one that he had kind of targeted that we'd been hoped that we would be able to get into. And I found out that Mr. Houston knows a fair amount about deer and habitat, and he and I had been talking, and, and uh, he's got his own little consulting company, and it's, it's, it's a growing consulting company. It's called H3 whitetail solutions and uh, just a few moments ago actually right before i started recording on this he and i spent some time on the phone and 
moving into the future, I'm going to try to get back into a little bit of the wildlife management type work that I did so many years ago and, and dearly, dearly loved. And and uh, this will give me an opportunity to kind of get back to my roots and, and uh, at the same time gather material that we can talk about here on the podcast and some of the other uh, podcast and radio shows I'm involved in. Of course, you guys know that I do a radio show every week with Luke Clayton called Luke Clayton Outdoors and it's on a bunch of stations as well too and then two you can listen to us at catfishradio.org catfishradio.org and then also Luke and I do a, a fairly regular podcast for Sporting Classics Daily called Campfires kind of like this one is hopefully that's going to allow me the opportunity to uh to, to, to get back out in the field. It's, it's not like I need something else to do between all the blogs and the writing and the TV show and, oh, my gosh, the podcasting and the public speaking and, and other things I'm involved in. I really don't have a whole lot of time, but I'm going to start trying to devote a little bit more time to the wildlife side of things. It, it's kind of like making the, the full circle, and I can't think of anybody else I'd rather do it with after spending time around Brandon. Uh, here for too very long, we'll have a, uh, uh, a website up, and it will be h3whitetailsolutions.com. And, and uh, who knows, we'll, we'll probably do a little bit of blog in there as well, too, about some of the things that we're doing. It's what things that other people can be doing, regardless of the size of acreage that you own. You know, the thing about it is, my deal is, that if you own a home or you own ground, now you may live in an apartment, and in that apartment, in the back on the porch, there is a small pot of, of, uh, of some kind of flowers. Well, you know what? You're contributing to the wildlife habitat when you do that. So, you know, we're going to look at some of those places such as that. If you've got a yard or a backyard that you want to do something with in terms of trying to increase the potential for wildlife and doing wildlife some good, you know, we'll probably get into some of that as well, too. And both Brandon and I are, are involved with TRHP Outdoors, which produces the scent guardian in a, in a whole lot of lines of, of uh, scents and lures for, for deer and hogs, and particularly deer and, and predators right now. And, uh, on that website, trhpoutdoors.com, there's all kinds of good information and, and a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about. Uh, as far as wildlife management is concerned, particularly like keeping deer on your property throughout the year and how you can use scents and those kind of things to do that and what to plant and when to plant and, you know, fertilization of native browse species, a whole lot of things that you can do to really maintain the, the, the quality of the wildlife and the quality particularly of the habitat so you have that wildlife there are things we're going to cover in a, in a variety of places. So uh, you'll probably see some of that too on uh, sports with life as well too we're going to bring where we can Brandon in to do a few things on wildlife management but uh, and maybe some of the hunting things that we, we, we're looking at doing in the future as well too so really looking forward to working with Brandon as a move forward and, and uh, into this year of, of 2022 and looking forward to, uh, to, to really some of the hunting opportunities that are going to be there the borders are opening up uh, looks like I'm going to be able to go to Canada this year. Luke and Jeff and I have got a fishing trip planned up to northern Saskatchewan for lake trout and and uh, large northern pike, something I've been wanting to catch for a long, long time here in, in July. And we've got some great hunts 
coming up for predators and turkeys and hogs and, and maybe a little bit of exotic stuff as well too. Exotic in this instance meaning those species that live here in Texas that are not endemic but have kind of made themselves to home here. The wild hog of course will be probably the most populous of that but you know things like axis deer and then I'll try to spend a little time on the FTW ranch as well too. I worked a trade there with Mr. Tim Fallon some time ago and, and it's time I try to collect on that trade in terms of, of taking an animal. I get tickled sometimes. That's, that's a big old ranch with many, many deep canyons. And, and whenever I mention something about hunting, it, somebody says, well, it, isn't it high-fenced? And I go, yeah, but let me tell you about this sheep hunt I, I did. Years, a few years ago, I worked in agreement with Tim to, uh, Mr. Fallon, to, to kill one of his exotic species of wild sheep. Now, he's got a got an Armenian red sheep and a mouflon, true mouflon from Europe in there, and he's got uh, the, the red sheep and then also some uh, Transcaspian Urals, and I didn't really care which one I shot. I just wanted to shoot one of them, and so I started hunting. I hunted went back, hunted, 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 and if you let me go the entire time, I hunted a total of 42 different days throughout a series of different seasons, and before finally, uh, I was able to take the sheep, or take a sheep. I didn't have many opportunities otherwise. They were either too far, uh, which, or, or I'd just catch a glimpse of them, and so it was not unlike going hunting those sheep in their, their native habitat. That old country is rugged and it's tough, and those sheep there, as far as I was concerned, knew how to hide, and they did. So if I do go to, to the FTW, I'm hoping that maybe this time it won't take me quite that 42 days to take the animal that I'm after. But uh, it's kind of a unique opportunity. Of course, while I'm there, I'll spend some time on their, their SAM courses, their sportsman all-weather, all-terrain marksmanship uh, courses that they have for long-range shooting, running shots, dangerous game. It's just the most fantastic place on earth. And if you want to learn a little bit more about them, and, and I know that you do, you can go to www.ftwsaam.com. And uh, you can learn all about the animals that they have, the, the new hunter school that we've taught there this past year, and we'll do some more of this coming year, uh, as well as the different courses that they have there as well, too, in terms of precision shooting and, and safari prep and a whole bunch of things. You know, I, I've shot a lot. I've, I've shot a lot of guns. I've shot a lot of handguns, particularly from the hunting side of things, not so much from semi-autos and those those type of weapons, but uh, lots of firearms designed for, for hunting. And it amazes me, as I've been to the FTW numerous times, and uh, used to live 62 miles from my house to their front door, and so whenever I got an opportunity, I drove up there and spent some time, so you can imagine I was up there quite a quite a few times. And then Tim and I hunted together, hunted the world. We hunted from my gosh, from oh goodness, from Alaska all the way through numerous countries in Africa and some points in between too. So uh, every time I had a chance to go up there, I'd, I'd go up there. But I tell you something, every time I went and spent any time with their instructors i learned something new i learned how to do something a little bit better than than what i knew how to do and if i had a problem i got into a flinching problem some time ago and i have no idea how i developed this flinch so i called up tim and i said can it, it, it we call him dog but it's doug pritchard i said is, is dog 
available for an afternoon. I said, I, I need somebody to watch me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. So he showed up. Of course, he's got his little phone camera, and he said, okay, get ready to shoot. And he filmed me, and he, as soon as he filmed me, he said, okay, I want you to watch what you did. Well, I was closing my eyes and jerking the trigger, and he said, okay, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. And he'd show me different things kind of thing. And then he'd he'd take the rifle, and sometimes he'd load a shell into the chamber and hand it to me and tell me to shoot. And sometimes he'd load it on an empty chamber, and he'd tell me to shoot. And I learned very quickly what I was doing wrong. Of course, I could see it, and as a result of that, corrected it. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, if I develop any kind of a shooting bad habit or whatever i try to go up there and say okay tim dog whoever dave knizek whoever is there and i say tell me and help me please so absolutely fantastic place a fantastic a fantastic place so if you if you're interested in learning how to shoot better and uh, all those kind of good things we all should strive for that to make that first shot the most important shot that we take and that's what they teach there you know, they, they teach long-range shooting, but they'll tell you that they're opposed to long-range hunting, that they believe that you ought to learn how to shoot long-range so that when you crawl within less than 100 yards of that animal, by golly, you can put him down with the first shot in the most, uh, the fastest and most humane way possible. So absolutely great school. If you, you get a chance, we're here at the beginning of the year. If Tim has any openings left, you really ought to, ought to talk to him about it if you want to learn more about shooting. And, and you might want to talk to him, too, about the new hunter school. We found that uh, we had a whole bunch of new hunters who had never even held a gun before, but we also had some people come through that had done some serious hunting in the past and, and uh we put them through some paces from everything from learning what a gun is to how to hold a gun and gun safety, uh, shooting positions. Oh, gosh, trigger control, breathing control, all the things that make you an accurate shot to shot placement, to taking an animal, to taking that animal apart, to learning how to skin, learning how to cape, learning how to gut, learning how to cut the animal up. And then we brought Josh Schwenke in on a lot of those. And with gastronomy, we've had on the podcast in the past, and, and uh, Jeff, uh, Josh rather, would show people how to prepare the, the meat that they'd harvested there on the FDW. So great opportunity. A lot of good things coming this way. And like I said, got a lot of good plans, and, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, – kind of talks more about those in the future you know the first couple of runs of this month i was tied up with dsc with the convention dearly loved it and and uh, the results of the aftermath of that so just finally now getting around to to once again visiting with you folks on a, on a personal type basis so uh really appreciate that opportunity uh we've got some new things coming on probably starting the first of march I've, uh, I've been visiting with uh with uh, uh, Hayden Outdoors. Hayden Outdoors is one of the largest real estate companies in the world when it comes to uh, ranch. And uh, we're going to start doing a little bit of a few things, or should say doing some things with them and probably have what we'd call, we're going to call a conservation moment brought to them, brought to us by them, in which we'll cover a wide variety. We'll have some special guests talking those uh, points and everything from thinking about buying land to what to look for to how to manage your land to how to hunt to, to things dealing with with who knows what but anything relative to land and, and wildlife habitat and improving it if you will so that'll probably start in march or it'll start 
not probably start with our first episode of march and we'll tell you a little bit more about that as we get closer but in the meantime i uh, really want to wish everybody personally finally the uh the happiest of new years and uh i know that 2022 is going to be an absolute great year when it comes to things relative to the outdoors and and you're being there and I always want to remind you that, you know, if you've got a topic you'd like for me or, or to discuss or me to bring a guest on to discuss, all you really got to do is go to Instagram and go to at Larry Wysoon Outdoors, or you can also send me a message at, at Facebook if you like at uh, uh, Larry Wysoon Outdoors there as well, too. So thank you much for listening. Look forward to everybody getting together around the campfire next week. And uh, until then... Enjoy your time in the outdoors. Spend time with your family and thank God that we live in the USA and thank God for our troops that protect us. DSC Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. TRHP Outdoors. Can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Boyt, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord, Rescue Travel Protection.